The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. house we escaped the asylum we protected the coven we attended the freak show we checked into the hotel we had a roanoke nightmare now we join the cult welcome to are you afraid cult the unofficial american horror story cult podcast a poppychuloradio.com and apple podcasts exclusive poppychulo radio pop culture on demand today is wednesday september 6th 2017 and i'm your host jeffrey arruz during tonight's broadcast we're going to recap review and dissect the latest episode of fx's american horror story cult please welcome my co-hosts clay bradbury Oh wow, this is my first time ever being up top I'm, I'm going to remember this Hey everybody, nice to meet you guys uh, The two people I haven't met And Priscilla, it's good to see you again, my dear And Jeffrey, as always, good to see you too Or hear you <laughs> Likewise Darnell Jones Hey, good night everybody Mark Estes Hello, hello How's the right door? And Priscilla Rocha Hello Thanks for the, like, the rolling of the R's in my name. That's very nice. You're welcome. Authentic, even. It was extra for you. Mm. Nice. You're welcome. All right, everybody. Let's get into it. Let's jump into our recap of Season 7, Episode 1, which was titled Election Night and aired September 5th, 2017. Here's the official synopsis of the episode after the announced presidency of donald trump the lives of multiple residents of brookfield heights michigan will never be the same that was a very concise synopsis it was it was the only good one because there was one that was a mess on IMDb. Was that it? Was that the synopsis? I thought you like pause for effect. Yes. No, that's it. Yes. So, uh, all right, everybody. Let's get everyone's initial reaction to the episode. And uh, ladies first. Priscilla, we'll start off with you. I feel kind of like confused by this. Like it's like it's setting up things. But usually with the first episode of like American Horror Story, like you start off right off the bat, like either like being freaked out or scared by things, but I didn't find myself, like, I don't know, clutching the edge of my blanket or anything like that at any of the times. It, I I find myself sitting down confused by this episode, but I'm hoping that it'll clear up more as, like, we talk about it or as the next episodes progress. Darnell, what about you? 
Um, it was a bit confusing for me. Uh, I feel like I don't know what to expect for part of it, but I don't know for some reason. It the, the season reminded me of um, Purge, the Purge movies. Uh, but yeah, otherwise I, I'm a little bit, you know, I don't know what really I should expect for the other episodes coming up. Clay, what about you? Yeah, I'm in the the minority here because I, I absolutely loved it. I think historically, you know, Priscilla was right. Looking back, all of the different seasons of American Horror Story, the first episode is always good. It's always like it sucks you into the season and it sets the stage for the episodes to come. I didn't really leave it confused. I think that this is like American Horror Story's self-titled album. This is the 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 most American horror story that they've ever done. And I think a lot of the stuff that they uh presented uh as kind of scarier, some of the 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 things and ideas that were antagonistic were stuff that a lot of people can relate to because I think a lot of people feel that sense of anxiety to probably a lesser degree than Ali, but yeah, I thought it was really, really, it held up a mirror. I think other seasons of you, smoke and flames and other shit, this, this season is really a mirror. This is what our country looks like right now. Mark? Uh, I'm going to steal what Clayton just said because he made a good point. This it's is just most- Clay. <laughs> you can add syllables if you want. I can be Claytron or, you know, <laughs> I'm not picking <laughs> My, I was just going to say that I, too, think it's the most American horror story of the entire mm. seven seasons we've got. For me, for the first time since I want to even though Coven and Hotel, don't shoot me, I liked Hotel, were, like, my favorites. But um, this was Ooh. creepy. Okay, that sorry. I, I, will, I will save I was, judgment to another day. But I wasn't going to say it. I was going to let him finish, but somebody else said it. But I, I, I'm interested to hear why. I thought Hotel was good, too, but that's, I don't think I've ever heard somebody say that. That's interesting. Um, I, um, but for me, Hotel was good because of the whole aesthetic, like the 80s aesthetic. I'm a big 80s freak, and I just love mm. that even though it was set in the present, it had a lot of callbacks to the 80s. All the way down to the, the um, set pieces, the music, and the costumes. But that's one of the reasons why I liked it. And I know that it got off the rails towards the end, but that's another story for another day. Cause we can get <laughs> I want to add, because Jeffrey's the captain of this ship. Really quick, Jeffrey, can can I hear what the everybody else's favorite season is super, super fast? I think that would be interesting. Okay, opinion. we'll do that. We'll let Mark finish, and then I'll give my opinion, and then we'll do everyone's favorite season. Yeah, I want to get – this is a good get-to-know-you-guys exercise. This is like a good icebreaker. All right, I'm pumped. <laughs> Sorry, continue, okay, continue on, Mark. ADD moment. <laughs> oh, I was just saying, like, this season was, like, the most in-your-face, like, we're going to tell you what's going on, because I didn't leave the episode, like, trying to figure out, like, what's going on. I did have questions, because you're supposed to leave the first episode with some sort of questions, though, but for right. me, it was just laid out so plainly to the point where I was just, just itching for episode two to pop up. Like right afterwards, but because mm-hmm. I'm so used to the binge culture now, but I really thought this was a standout episode. Cause think about it, like the free show, hotel, and even Coven, there was so many and Asylum, there was so many characters to introduce in that one hour. Right. And with this one, you got pretty much the main players all in the opening um 
scene with the election, um, with the announcement that Donald Trump had become the 45th president of the United States, you pretty much had all five main characters played out right then and there, you know, to, from from the get. And you knew how they felt, and you're just going to go on this journey with them. And I mean, outside of the uh, Cheyenne Jackson's character, but anyway, I, so I pretty much got everything that I needed from just that opening scene. Because the opening scene to me was the perfect setting and it just set up the rest of the episode and I believe it's going to set up the rest of the season. Okay. I think I'm somewhere in the middle. It seems like Darnell and Priscilla are on one side and then Mark and Clay on the other. I'm somewhere towards the middle. I thought it was a pretty strong episode. I am a little bit confused as to where they're going with it, which isn't a bad thing, to be quite honest. Mm. I... uh, like the characters so far and i feel like they were introduced very well thus far throughout this episode which was good because at least we it seems like we know what their motivations are going to be throughout the rest of the season and uh, the sort of grounding it in reality because uh ryan murphy has already stated publicly that this season will not feature supernatural elements unlike previous Mm -hmm. seasons i kind of like that because now i'm confused about what's real and what isn't because it's grounded in reality and i guess we'll go through that and break that down once we get into the episode because i have my own theories on what's really going on i call Mm -hmm. bullshit on ryan murphy saying there's gonna be no supernatural elements because I love Ryan Murphy and everything he does. I've been with the guy since he did Popular. So when he sits there and states he's going to do something at the beginning of the season, go back and look at his track record. No, it does. It always changes. It always changes. I think he said he wasn't going to send the Glee kids to college, and he did, and it flopped spectacularly. At least for me, it did. Yeah, but I'm going to trust him right now. I will trust him for the moment. So, okay, so Clay had the idea for all of us to to mention and I guess briefly state which was your favorite season so far and uh, we'll do that and since Clay you wanted to do this we're going to start off with you (laughs) Uh, this is a no-brainer for me and one of the reasons I really want to do this is because I feel like this gives you good insight into other people their favorite season of this is like a weird personality test Uh, my favorite season of American Horror Story was American Horror Story Asylum season 2 um I think much like this season, I see some parallels in terms of the threat and the, the monsters are very real, very present. Um, it Not in a sense of like modern day, because thankfully mental health stuff has improved, but just the conditions. Uh, and then also, I mean, it was a season that had uh, Satan as a nun and aliens and all of this outlandish shit that any other show would have jumped the shark with out of the gate if they tried to put aliens and all of this stuff but it was just really really uh succinct and i think it's probably their most perfect season especially towards the end when they do the uh time jumps with jude and you see you know all of that stuff that happens so yeah hands down season two all right hashtag plot twist we're going in abc order so that means darnell you are next sorry (laughs) my favorite season was also asylum um yeah i think that one had me most on edge and I think the reason why this season has me so confused is because I know that there are certain elements from, like, other seasons that they're going to have in this one, but it, 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 it's, it's, 
American Horror Story-ish in terms of like what's going on right now, but it doesn't feel that way in terms of like all the other seasons that went before it. So, but Asylum had me definitely most on edge. And um, yeah, I'd say that was my favorite one so far. Props, props, that right on. Okay, so continuing on in ABC order, I am next. And uh, it's the trifecta. Asylum for me it has been what? Uh, hands down my favorite season. Although. Guys, we just become best friends. We just step brothers. I think so. <laughs> yes. Although it's like really close for me, at least, between like either. Murder House or even Roanoke could be right up there because for me those three were the ones that had the most scare factors for me like the creepiest the weirdest Asylum sort of like takes it over the top because it was a really dark season because it had a lot of the elements that I like in movies that would actually scare me you know things like you know, ghosts and the paranormal and demonic possessions and, uh, you know, creepy alien abductions and that kind of stuff. And the mm-hmm. acting was really good. I mean, Sister Jude, uh, Sister Jude was just amazing. And, um, Sister yeah. Mary Eunice. Yeah. I mean, phenomenal before mm-hmm. and after just an amazing acting turn, for her and uh you know just the asylum was really creepy as well it was really layered too it was this complex spider web of all these different moving parts that just uh and it, it to me i think another reason it was so significant is it was the anti-sophomore slum you know american horror story didn't come back and rest on their laurels which you know i feel like if they would have went from murder house to coven some people may have been able to accuse them of that or you know that you know i think those two are a little bit more uh, thematically linked but asylum was just this dark brooding layered labyrinth of just fucked upness but i loved it it, it was one of my favorite tv series of or tv seasons of anything Mark, you're next. Okay, before I give mine, I want to get clarity from Clayton. Um, did mm-hmm. you say that you also liked Hotel? Uh, it, I, mm, it wasn't bad. It, it just it wasn't my favorite out of that. Oh. Well, I think Hotel, the end of it. Well, I liked, you know what, I'll say I like the middle the the part okay. where it was like the flashbacks with gaga as a you know old-timey movie star and this this and that i actually like that part uh and i know some people ragged on it but as a whole uh you know it's okay okay because you kind of proved my theory that i've been having um and this is before i give my i just want to put this out because from I, i'm a big american horror story geek and so i've been i was a fan of this show when they announced it in the trades um so when they turned around and when the murder house came out and they did the whole you know we're gonna do this anthology thing i noticed that a lot of people came on during asylum so for a lot of people and i would like to get gauge y'all's um actually get get y'all's point of view because for for me a lot of people came on during asylum they they didn't like murder house they didn't like coven they didn't like free show oh let me take that back they liked free show didn't like hotel tolerated Roanoke and it just seems to me like some people's first season of American Horror Story was Asylum and they're very very protective over Asylum 
But for me, I was the opposite. I actually thought that when I watched Asylum when it first came on, I thought that it was a great season. But a lot of people hated the way it ended. They like you just they just left it and everything was just like it was a sloppy ending. But it wasn't. It had a perfect ending. And yeah. I and I think that because those people who shitted on Asylum's ending are the ones who are crying that it's the best season ever since you know the show's been in reception. Um, and it, but for me, my favorite season, I hate because like picking children. I must can I do a tie? No, no, because I could have given a three-way tie and I didn't. This will be the whole podcast so we can pick two. You guys, we got okay, okay. I'm going to say my favorite season so far. Is you can Cubs. give a shout out because I gave a shout out to the other two that I would have picked as okay. number one. Okay, okay number, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to the back of the line on that one. Okay, <laughs> okay, number one for me be Coven, and then two shout outs: Murder House and Roanoke. Oh, okay. Yeah, and not and I've asylum is still a, it's like a close, but and I'm not gonna do that, to y'all. I'm sorry, Priscilla. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Cause this is my baby. This is my heart. Mark this is, is like, picking them all. Y- yes, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I I think just to throw my second out there, it would probably be Roanoke. I think Roanoke was gruesome. It was fucking, especially towards the end of it, it was just. I have complaints about the ending of that, but the fact, and I didn't even know that until you just said it, Mark, the fact that people, <clears throat> excuse me, are complaining about how Asylum ended, are you fucking, see, what show are you watching? That was the perfect ending, like, that was, mwah, oh my god, like, oh, I had explained to a friend of mine the other night, they're like, I don't understand, like, what's the whole thing with the kids, I'm like, they're aliens, they're half alien, one child went to become a neurologist, the other one went to become a, um, a, um, a professor in history, world history. So that way they could keep track of the human, you know, they, they're studying humans. So what's the better way to study a human instead of a, a human's history and then their biological, their, their you know, neurology? You know Are you saying? pen so, pals with them? <laughs> kids? No, I'm teasing you. Oh. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> I'd be really concerned if you said yes to that. I'd be like, oh. <laughs> That's too funny. All right, Priscilla, let us oh, know. I'm gonna go opposite to what most of you guys picked. I'm gonna go for classic murder house. Like I love ghost stories. Ghost stories are what freak me out the most, and just like the whole ambiance about it, like how like kind of creepy it was, just was the best. It was I, between that one and Roanoke. I love both of those. Mm. But yeah, Murder House. Definitely Murder House. Same with the classics. Respect, respect. <laughs> I like it. All right. So before we get into a thorough recap of the latest episode of American Horror Story Cult, here's our announcer with a few special announcements. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula radio podcasters discussing some of your favorite television shows. Visit poppychularadio.com slash podcasts for a complete list of all the podcasts that we produce. You will get up-to-date information on whether the podcast is currently releasing new episodes or if it's on hiatus. You will also be able to click a link to either take you to Apple Podcasts or the Poppy Chula Radio archives to download the podcast. To binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio podcasts visit poppychularadio.com slash podcasts. 
Would you like to be one of the podcasters on this podcast discussing your favorite television show? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. We are always looking for new voices to add to our collection of podcasts. To become a co-host you must be at least 18 years old. You must be comfortable sharing your opinions. And you must be comfortable using Skype. There's no podcast experience required. So if you think you have what it takes to be a Poppy Chula Radio on-air personality, email talent at poppychularadio.com. We look forward to hearing from you. This is a Poppy Chula Radio special announcement. PoppyChuloRadio.com is currently looking to expand its web presence, and we're looking for your help. If you're a fan of Poppy Chulo Radio and its signature series, please visit GoFundMe.com slash PoppyChuloRadio and help us with our campaign. Every dollar amount donated will be improving the Poppy Chulo Radio experience and making it more interactive and user-friendly. We thank you in advance for your support. This has been a Poppy Chulo Radio special announcement. We now return you to our regularly scheduled programming. Thanks, announcer. So let's get into it, and uh, we get a little bit of a history of the American 2016 presidential election as it's unfolded in the media. We saw clips of uh, basically the candidates announcing their run and uh, sort of like the campaign trail up up until election night. And that's where we uh, catch our first glimpses of like our characters for this season. We see uh, Allie and Ivy sort of freaking out about the returns and elsewhere in town we see Kai sort of uh, elated at the outcome. Donald Trump, of course, is sort elected. Sort of elated? Well, very yeah, elated. Yes. <laughs> so, so we see Donald Trump is elected president, and Ali, out of the couple of Ali and Ivy, sort of takes it the hardest, and uh, she freaks out. Uh, we see uh, their son, Ozzy, sort of like wondering, you know, does this mean that my mommies will no longer be together as a family and all this kind of stuff? And over on the other side of town, uh, Kai is so excited. As Priscilla mentioned, he humps the television. He grounds up Cheeto into a powder in the blender and uh, Cheetofies his face in tribute to Trump, you know, even with the mannerisms, the voice, huge, bigly, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Kai's sister is named Winter, and she's depressed. She had campaigned for Clinton, and uh, when uh, Kai sort of scares her, uh, you know, they do this thing. I guess it's something that they've always done as kids. They do, they um, do, they pinky ring each other, and uh, basically. Winter's like, you know, she's scared, and Kai says, everyone's scared. So that's the opening of American Horror Story Cult. 
let's talk about it. What do we think of the opening scene? Giving us uh, a uh, flashback to the presidential election and then seeing election night from two very different perspectives. And uh, let's start off with you, Priscilla. And I loved that. It, it, it brought back like that sense of like, what the hell is going to happen now? Like, what's our world going to look like tomorrow? Like that, that sense of, well, I guess like fear in, in, in the back of in the back of our minds. And you see it from the fact that you see it from both perspectives from somebody who's really elated that Trump went, holy crap, I started cracking up when he started humping the TV and when he started dusting the Cheetos. It was funny as hell. Which, it's it's odd. I've never laughed at American Horror Story, but that was just over-the-top cheesiness and I loved it. Everyone else, feel free to jump on in what did you think of the opening of american horror story cult i thought it was the best one ever Uh, (laughs) because like i said it laid out everything right there and even the little nuances going on between each different faction or political on the political spectrum you know the whole jill stein thing where the chins the um, asian couple you know you had them the um he was talking about how 10,000 votes with Jill Stein, that could have been a big help to Hillary Clinton, but it's a protest vote. Then his wife comes out like, eh, it's okay. And then he snaps at her because she was too busy to go and vote. So you had protest voting people not assuming that Clinton or Trump was going to win. Even Kai didn't think Trump was going to win. He looked like he just breathed a sigh of relief, like Yes, thank God. And so it's kind of like this, sh- like you can also see the shift, like from these, from the liberals over here who have been like enthralled by the, you know, the era of Obama, you know, and then you got like the tables turning almost, almost literally over at the Anderson house and he's like having this big celebratory dance and his sister's upstairs depressed and just like everything was just laid out. And I got so much from that one, the, from that opening, that gave me ideas what was to come for later on the episode and then throughout the entire season. Darnell, what about you? Darnell is not in the United States, so give us the international point of view. Uh, hmm, the international point of view. Uh, I thought it... it the opening represented and showed how people really felt about what was going on. I think, honestly, everyone outside of the U.S. was not supporting Donald Trump to be president. That so, is such a relief to hear. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Darnell loved Jill Stein. <laughs> that is a different subject. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, here. From the outside, it was like, you know, like, it, it was like a little twilight zone going on across there, and everyone was like outside of that bubble, kind of just looking at what was going on. So, it, it, I guess it did represent what was going on, and it, it did leave you feeling like, wondering what's to come, if it's like the beginning of the apocalypse. Uh... So yeah, it, it it did leave me feeling intrigued to um, 
to see what was going on for the rest of the season. Clay, what about you? Yeah, you know, one thing I want to point out right off the back is that this uh, season of American Horror Story cold opens with just raw footage of the uh, the election and the process leading up to it. Uh, and the only editing that they do is in terms of mashing the clips together and music, but what we saw was what we all experienced. And, you know, Darnell, here in America, I feel like a lot of us are experiencing exactly that, you know, kind of how you're describing the, you know, how it's perceived in the episode and that we are uncertain and we are scared. And, you know, I, I, I was thinking before um, I did this podcast uh because i I don't i you know i don't want to get super super political but um i I, I, this really represented and encapsulated the anxiety the dread the trauma that america experienced last november so much of this beginning scene was it was just refreshing to see it because so much of this you know uh you know contrary to what people say a lot of news media outlets try to be neutral and they try to this this and that ryan murphy had a blank canvas and to me he just completely completely knocked it out of the the post one thing i did love was ivy going or not ivy but ali like fuck you nate silver suck a dick huffington post or whatever she said because i felt let down by them too uh, both of those sources were ones that i admittedly had more respect for pre-election so that dread the anxiety the claustrophobia of all of it i really think held a mirror up to us and i think it, i'm interested to see where this goes uh they've set us up to where uh, I'm wondering what the moral, with air quotes, that you guys can't see of this story may be. Uh, so far, the the people who are seeing who are the antagonists are the people who sympathize with Donald Trump and et cetera. And it's interesting. And it's timely and it's edgy and it's exciting. And, you know, the, the questions that it raised are questions I'm eager to get answered. Yeah, those are all really interesting questions to ask. And I think we will be getting answers to those as the season progresses. I echo what everyone has said so far i thought it was a really strong opening it was interesting because i noticed that too clay that like the opening moments were like real life clips from the news and from Mm -hmm. cable news and i'm like good grief it was a horror story wasn't it because like you're we're like seeing you know going back and it's it seems like it was ages ago it does it but it oh my really God. was such a good point about a year ago i was actually i was just watching the news and not to veer off into politics but like they were talking about james comey getting fired and for me it felt like he was fired like in february or something he was just fired oh, in may fired yeah. six years ago it was yeah. just may it's crazy how because Indeed. so much keeps on coming out in the news just like keeps on pumping out like everything that's happening and every single tweet and every single scandal it really does feel like it was ages ago so um but veering back into the show I thought it was a strong opening as well, and uh, like Mark stated, like we basically see our entire cast of the season, the main characters, the series regulars, in that opening uh, segment for the most part. This is the smallest cast, I believe, ever of series regulars. There's o- there are only five series regulars this season. Mm. Everyone else is either recurring or guest stars. So, uh, to see the majority of our cast 
in those opening moments was really nice to see because we also sort of got the chance to see the relationships and, uh, you know, see, you know, where they stand, basically, so far. So, usually what we've done in the past is, especially in a premiere um, podcast recording, we always discuss the actual opening of the show, because it changes every season. And last year was the first season that they didn't have some sort of... uh, theme song opening you know we didn't get a new version of the doom 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 and that kind of thing as we're used to so let's discuss this opening what did you all think of uh, the opening credits for this iteration of american horror story and let's start off with you mark boy i'm just gonna say right back last year when we didn't get an opening credit sequence i was not i was not a happy camper i was like all in my feelings and pissed and all this shit <laughs> so just seeing so you were like ally yes pretty much i was like ally last year when american horror Story premiere i was like oh no they gave us a title card <laughs> and that was <laughs> it because i was scared that they were gonna tell ryan murphy like you know everybody else is not doing opening credits no more so you're gonna have to like exit out but thankfully we got them back though but i like it i like the new variation of the american horror story theme um I think the only the scariest part of the whole entire opening credit sequence is when the guy puts the Donald Trump mask on and then turns the camera. Mm. <laughs> I pulled a Regina from a scary movie like, <laughs> yep, when I saw that for the first <laughs> time. So uh, that was pretty hot. I, I'm shocked that they don't have, because I've been so used to them like having all these names pop up in between the... Yeah. I miss and Angela Bassett. Exactly. Or I think we all do, yeah. Yeah. Same. Yeah. And plus it's kinda like a left big hole in them. Like y'all could have spread them out. They kinda smushed the first four names into the first part of the opening credits. Y'all could have spread them out like y'all did for Murder House. But uh I liked it. I mean it was kinda like the the ants and flies going in between out the holes and stuff, just really enhanced that whole I, I cannot pronounce that phobia to say my neck. I think it's tripophobia or something like that. Um, the fear of holes, and like yeah, like in the regular yeah. size pattern. Yeah, so that was creepy, and the clowns and everything. So yeah, it was pretty, pretty good. What about everybody else? What did you all think of the opening credits? It was dope. It was I liked it. It was foreboding. One thing that stood out to me that I remember thinking back on it is the the ending of it, the last three seconds. You see the two people with uh, the pinkies intertwined and the handcuffs around their hands. It, it it raised a question for me that, excuse me, I'm actually interested to get you guys' opinion on. I'm wondering if this season is going to be about a cult that exists right now and that it's kind of working behind the scenes of what we're seeing. And, you know, Kai and Winter uh, have already got this established. Or if this season is going to be a story about the the genesis of a cult. Are we going to see this as the threads come together and as, and are they going to show us, you know, like the, the mentality behind people who fall for stuff like that? You're, you know, David Koresh, I think his name, or Duresh, whatever, the dude from Waco, or, you know, your Charles Manson's. It, it, I'm interested to see, is this about something that already exists that they're doing, or are we going to see the the building, the construction of this cult? What do you guys think? 
Oh, I don't know. Oh, it's gonna go down. I'm sorry. <laughs> we we see like that group of clowns, and like I are, I, I kind of feel like if they're already a grouping, that means that the cult is already like has its basis, has its mm. people already, and it's just gonna like that whole fear mongering to see whether like more people join the cult. But as of now, like I think the cult exists. Mm. Yeah, I agree with that as well. I think something exists. Yeah, yeah. definitely. There was, a, there was a time jump because I noticed that when um, I even told, you know, Allie, like, yeah, you haven't been here since election night. And so it'll be some, uh, enough time for some people to get together. And, yeah, know. there was a big time jump. Uh, we haven't, we, it's we're amount. getting way ahead. But um, at some point later on, she looks at her phone in the tweets and it said March. So time has Good. passed ah. i think each each time we saw ally or even kai you know time had passed a little bit more time had passed and that kind of thing mm. yeah so any other thoughts on the opening credits uh, besides like the lack of uh, stars like they were interesting uh, if you know at all like ahead of time if you researched a, a bit ahead of time of like what Ali's phobias are you see them all in the opening credits you see the cobrophobia mm. her fear of clowns you see a little bit of claustrophobia you see obviously the election you see her uh, hemophobia she has a fear of blood you see the tripophobia the fear of irregular shaped of holes in irregular patterns and shapes so you see all of that in the opening, which was yeah. really interesting. And, and it was kind of neat to see a more real opening credits. Because like, in the past, we've seen like Freak Show. It was almost like Claymation. And um, in other seasons, it's usually sort of like symbols and that kind of stuff. Like We don't always see like real people, I feel like, in the openings. I'm trying to remember. Coven. Coven. Yeah, we do. A little bit in Coven, yeah. Um, and I think there are a couple of people in Hotel that were, like, sewn yeah. into mattresses and doing other horrific things. Yeah, but, but a lot I, of that were some of the creatures, because we saw the people in the beds and stuff. Yeah, I think a lot of times, like, what happens in those opening credits is they kind of go through, like, the, the larger mythology of that season. Yes. For example, like, uh, Bastion, I think his name was, uh, Marie Laveau's. Uh, ex boo, whatever. I don't know if they were married or what they the were. Minotaur. Maybe they were just chilling. That's their business. I won't get into that. <laughs> she, um, yeah, I'm interested to see now in this season. Uh, it, it already feels, if I had to describe this pilot in one word, the one word that really stuck in my head was claustrophobic. The way that it's shot, how close it is, it is all, they do a really, really good version of um showing what a panic attack is like that i feel like a lot of people who have experienced panic attacks and myself included luckily i don't uh deal with them as much anymore but the world really does obviously you know not shrink like that but they did a really good job of helping the audience feel what that's like i do hope that they don't overuse that though like that whole thing because it could get very like that's so raven and then it's like oh, okay never mind Agreed. Agreed. that's so raven oh good grief uh this might be a little bit personal to ask so it's up to any of you if you want to answer it how dare you i know do any of you have any of the phobias that were 
discussed in the episode, like as I mentioned, the the cholerophobia, the fear of clowns, claustrophobia, agoraphobia was another phobia that uh, Ali has. Um, the the blood phobia, hemophobia, or trypophobia, the fear of uh, irregular patterns or clusters of small holes or bumps. I think that's why the opening didn't get to me at all, because I have none of those phobias. So I was, I was just kind of there, just like, oh, okay, well, they they mixed up the music. That's pretty cool. Like, it, like <laughs> usually something Remix. about the opening like, freaks me out. <laughs> like, something about it, like, is, like, the the mattresses like the people sewn into mattresses and like the um hotel like that freaked me out but like in this one it's just more like well okay i guess this is pretty scary for some people and i was just sitting there waiting for for me to like feel like that tingling down my spine of like uh something that freaks me out but no nope none of that not scared I have dealt with uh, mild agoraphobia before, but I don't really feel like that was present. And that's like the the big open spaces. Or for me, it's more like extremely, extremely large crowds. I like watched a ton of 24 in high school, and I feel like it ruined my brain. So I like whenever I'm around a massive group of people, I just like picture different potential. It's just fucking weird, but. Yeah, uh, out of the rest of them, no. The tryptophobia, whatever, the the circle, the, the weird irregular circles, it is gross to me. I'm not afraid of it, but I will say it is unsettling. I was reading articles about that leading up to this recording, and they had pictures of it, and I'm just like, it is repulsive. It, it's not something that would prevent me from going somewhere, or, you know, would, like, scare me like they used to do on Maury when they would bring out, like, the Jello or the chickens and stuff, and they would run across the stage. But it is gross. What do you guys think about the... What is it? Tiptophobia? Am I saying Tripo- that right? I think it's tripophobia. Tripio- oh, or tri- tripophobia. Phobia. Something like Something that. Something like that, yeah. <laughs> I, I, would co- I would echo your sentiment. Um, I'm not a, I don't have the phobia, though, but it does unnerve me a little bit. When I, it's, especially if it's like grotesque. You know what I'm saying? Like you see mm-hmm. a beehive or you see... Um, Coral. Coral, that doesn't like freak me out, but if it's something of the human flesh, then yeah, I'm, I'm gonna get a little big out. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, like even the coral and the like, it's it still is kind of gross to me. I'm just like, I don't. My brain is like, you don't like that, but it doesn't give me any other explanation. So I'm just gonna left for that. Okay. And nothing for you, Darnell. No, I don't have any of those phobias. Okay. Um, no. High five, Darnell. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the same way here, so. I don't either. Those three-way high five. How many you guys do have? That's another discussion for a very Oh, oh yeah, that's podcast. another podcast. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what are we really scared of? Okay. <laughs> so, we get our first glimpse at Twisty the Clown in a long time. And uh, it, the scene starts off as if we're, I guess, watching the episode, something that's going on in the series. But we actually learn at the end that what we're seeing is sort of like the um, the real-life depiction of a graphic novel, a graphic uh, comic book type of thing that's based on Twisty the Clown. And what we're seeing is sort of like a, a modern man and woman uh, getting freaky during a picnic and uh, the ghost of Twisty uh, basically killing them both. And uh, it, they give a little bit of a shout-out and a callback to Season 4 of American Horror Story, 
the freak show season because they discuss something that actually happened in that season that we saw. We saw a couple on a picnic get killed by uh, Twisty yeah, Grace from the Clown. Scream Queens. It was Grace from Scream Queens. When I rewatched that scene, because uh, I forget one of the websites that might have been Entertainment Weekly was like, "This is the scene from Freak Show that you need to see to mm. you know catch up and be ready for uh, Colt." It was that scene, and I was like, oh, that was her from Scream Queens, and I didn't even recognize her. They did a really great job with uh, the makeup and um, the costuming to make her look old-timey. So, okay, let's discuss the reintroduction of Twisty the Clown as a uh, comic book star. What did y'all think of seeing Twisty again? It was... Six-year-old doing reading those comic books. Yeah, I know because the man was like, like about 100% to. One hundred percent has his own Prime account. He does because that man was about to go to town downtown, and I'm like, little <laughs> kids are not supposed to be reading about that. Mm-hmm. And Allie was like, you know, this a, a, a stiff penis or a, a. I'm like, girl, what type of parent? Okay, well, because she's like, supposed to be like that really progressive uh, mom. Where it's like, oh, you know, if you're yeah. looking at like a nudie magazine, it's okay, but just please don't do it, basically. But he's <laughs> six. I can see if the kid was like, you know, maybe a 10 or 11 or 12 or some shit, but you know. Yeah. But six? They got to sit down and watch him when he goes somewhere and goes to somebody's house and stuff. and I don't know, but it was it was a very refreshing. Um, I because I felt always felt that if you haven't seen Free Show, spoiler alert for those who haven't, because that's believe it or not, people have not seen Free Show yet. Priscilla, um, no, not for, before I knew Priscilla. I'm talking about people who. Oh, okay, Priscilla, I thought you, you were. I thought you were subtly but throwing shade at Priscilla. I know <laughs> this is an American <laughs> Horror Story podcast. You just like. <laughs> You know what? Uh, I, 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 one I day. Her name. <laughs> I was looking mm. for Priscilla's name. It was somebody else I talked to. Oh, Priscilla, okay. the second or third person told me they're not seeing a free show. And one of the reasons why the other people told me they did not see a free show because they have a fear of clowns. And so uh, they think Twitch was going to be a big part of that. And so they just decided to just not watch it. I said, that's cool. But the reason why I said some people have not seen it because I do respect people who've not seen stuff. But what I'm trying to say is that if you haven't seen Free Show, Twisty's taken out of the picture real early on in the show. And it was, to me, a personal blow to the whole entire season. Because once yeah. I just not care no more. Mm-hmm. Um, but so seeing him again, I was like, yes, but I was hoping to God that they were going to give us more than the damn scene saying, oh, he's a comic now. So it's an urban legend because I was hoping that he would be a big part of the show. And with Ryan Murphy saying that there's no supernatural element in the show this season, I was kind of let down. So I'm pretty sure we're just going to get like scenes from the comic book or the little doll we can see later on the season and stuff. So. But Priscilla, that was no shade towards you. I, don't, I want you to know that. <laughs> I was want you to know that. Too late. We've already turned on you, Priscilla. So much <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> That's too much for my life. JK, JK. It's all love. Yeah. Oh, gosh. I don't know. Like, that that scene was pretty cool. Like, what? <laughs> Do you guys ever have that, that, that moment when you're seeing, like, 
what the people that are getting like terrorized by clowns or by like weird shit and you're just like run bitch what are you doing just standing there staring at him fucking run you're skinnier than him you're probably gonna outlast him if you keep running don't fucking don't don't hide what are you doing <laughs> and she's like almost pissed me off <laughs> <laughs> i was like aw she hid and she kept her cell phone ringer on so uh that's her own damn fault that she died <laughs> Sorry. I do like that Twisty, like, he ran the way that Twisty runs. Like, that weird spread my arms and... The wiggle? Yeah. I think that was John Carroll Lynch, actually. It was, yes. He's listening in the credits. So I like that, mm-hmm. you know, they kept him running the same kind of weird kind of way. Can I tell you guys something? This is going to sound so fucking nerdy. Right when I saw that, that scene, you know what my, one of my first takeaways was? I was like, oh my god, I would read this shit out of that comic book. Like, I Yo. wish that was real. <laughs> well, I'll, uh, I can dream. Or I can watch him read it, which is the next best thing. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, uh, in the next scene, we see more of Kai. And, uh, Kai delivers a speech about basically humans and humanity being scared and how fear can be um, basically taken advantage of by people in power so that, uh, you know, the people without power that are fearful they will run to whoever is in power and basically do whatever that person says or decides because they're that scared of what's going on. And, you know, in any other show, it would be sort of like a whatever scene type of thing. But obviously this speech, you know, introduces us into what kai believes in and it's in my opinion sets up whatever plan he's putting into motion because um he's there basically to um discuss with the city council like why you know more police should not be hired to protect a uh, jewish community center And so he's delivering the speech about fear, you know, let people blow it up because people will be more scared. And when he gets basically rebucked by uh, one of the council members, uh, Tom Chang, Allie and Ivy's neighbor, Kai says that uh, basically, you know, what's like the most scariest thing out there or what's the the worst thing to have out there it's a, a man that has been humiliated and kai has just been humiliated and to be quite honest not to get all political but one of the things that has been reported on is the fact that uh, donald trump decided that he was going to run for president during the night of uh, the White House Correspondents' Dinner when then-President Barack Obama basically, like, did all these jokes about Trump, allegedly. So I remember that. Yes. So, let's talk about Kai and his speech to the Brookfield Heights City Council. Can I just say something right off the top? What a dumb 
piece of shit. If you watched that scene and found yourself agreeing with him, think about this. What he was there protesting was more police policing a Jewish community center. It's just ridiculous. And, you know, one thing I think we... I'm sorry, you guys. I'm just, like, feeling super blunt tonight. But I just... I want us all... I feel like... Because we're all kind of, you know, tiptoeing around it and you know, talking about the politics. I don't think any of us is here to push an agenda. But on a show that is so hyper-focused on the political climate in America, and we would be kidding ourselves. We can't not talk about it. Otherwise, you know, so we... I think we can try to do our best to, you know, remain neutral in some regards. But this just infuriated me. I'm like, you dumb son of a bitch. Like, I am so sick of seeing individuals like him emboldened and feel like this is their time and that there's become this revolution that they, it's just horse shit. I'm sorry. I cussed like a whole bunch of children. I'm sorry. It's it's supposed to to evoke feelings like that. Like, you're supposed to see somebody like that talking and and be reminded that because of the recent change in political climate, like every freaking person is coming out of the woodwork thinking that they can talk like this, they can be like this, that it's Mm -hmm. acceptable. And that's Kai. I mean, that's Kai in a nutshell because his actions from that point on, even when he was celebrating the election and stuff like that, the, the win for Donald Trump, it's like he said freedom. He said freedom. And in his mind, it was freedom to just do or say whatever the hell he wanted to do, and there would be no repercussions about it because Donald Trump is now president. Now, I'm going to play some serious devil advocacy here. It's kind of a mirror, and I don't want people coming for me saying that, you know, oh, you're this. But the thing is, you know, it's kind of like, you know, the whole song, my president is black, you know, da, 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 da. In a way, it's kind of a mirror to that. If you think about it, because it's like, you know, so it's like when you have people, I'm, this is devil advocacy, because I'm thinking on the lines of like, <laughs> well, no, 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 I hear you, I hear you, I want to hear you, I appreciate it. No, because it's like, I don't agree with what he's doing, but I guess it feels like people were empowered to come out and say some of the things they want to say, all because the president is black you know Barack Obama is black you know he's a black president we can go do all this stuff and we can but it was along the lines of like yeah he's a black president but you know he is the president of the United States of America not the president of the black people of the United States of America because and I put that on the table because now I'm going to take the devil advocacy out I put that on the table because when Obama was getting ready to the office I had I read a lot of articles saying like because it goes back to the reason why Trump won and why he had, like, there was a low turnout numbers in certain communities and whatnot, because a lot of people felt that Donald, um, Barack Obama didn't do a lot for them and their communities and whatnot. And so when you have people who had that mentality, it's kind of like a mentality like Kai has. Mm-hmm. Where you can go and just do whatever because I'm be protected because a certain person in office that agrees with my ideals and share the same skin tone or the same you know rhetoric or something like that and they get that rude awakening that you know this, that's not the case. So I think on Kai's situation he has become emboldened, but I'm pretty sure this is my first prediction of the night. Later on down the line, he's gonna realize that you know it's not all gonna be like. It's not going to be as easy and peasy as you think it's going to be. It's going to be some 
pushback and all this stuff. Well, yeah, if the show continues with the, the timeline that we're all living, I think Kai's character is poised to be really disappointed because factually, and I can say this with complete, you know, editorial confidence, uh, Donald Trump has had few to none uh, legislative accomplishments. And there are some critics of his um, who are actually some of his supporters. Now, that's a really, really small number. But to the people, you know, I, and I, I can see what you what you uh, were saying, Mark, by playing devil's advocacy. My response to it is this. Uh, Kai is a cisgendered, straight, white male in America. He doesn't get to be empowered. When wasn't he empowered? When okay. wasn't his class or that demographic or somebody who meets those standards? So it's like... you. It, to me, it's like, how are you emboldened? You know, you you're you're not the the sub society. You aren't the marginalized people. You aren't the disenfranchised. You are not this this and that. And all of this like anti-Semitic and anti-gay and anti-black and anti-Muslim rhetoric is just abhorrent. It's reprehensible and, and it's anti-American. I I'm sorry. I am just <laughs> it's like no, a little Clay, bit of a left towards me. No, no, Clay, I'm just I, fucking pissed. No, I agree with you because I was mad. I was like, he is really doing the most because the scene that irked well, the scene that, well, two scenes when he sat there and sloshed that latte on on um, Ivy and Alley. I'm like, why y'all still standing? Y'all should be whipping his ass. He would not have got two steps away from me after that happened. And then later on, he does something else was kind of crazy. But I said the same thing. I said Kai represents those who claim to be disenfranchised during the Obama presidency, but they cannot prove in any shape, way, or form how they were disenfranchised. They have nothing to point to. How they, are they you have to point let to. down? You still mm-hmm. had a job. You still was able to go and use, you know, your white privileges, anything like that. Those who are, you know, saying they were disenfranchised, I'm like, you're still working. They're still- also on the better half of the wage gap, too. Exactly. So mm-hmm. I'm like, how can you tell me you were disenfranchised? <laughs> I mean, so many people were saying, we got to listen to both sides. I've been listening to both sides for 34 years of my entire life. So mm-hmm. tell me what's different. I'm <laughs> clear, clearly missed right now. So I don't like Kai. If y'all hard <laughs> yeah, Kai's a little bitch. But Evan Peters is playing him really, yes. really good. He instantly, it's hard to establish a villain that menacing in that short amount of screen time. Because he honestly wasn't in that episode that much. That's true. That's true. Yes. Let's talk a little bit about Allie. So Allie visits her uh, therapist. Her therapist is uh, Rudy. And they discuss her fears. Because ever since the election, all of her fears that she felt she had finally either overcome or, you know, they were sort of like put in check have come back. And it's all the fears that we discussed earlier in the uh, podcast recording and uh, she credited uh, Ivy as well as uh, President Barack Obama and her therapist for, like, you know, calming her down and uh, allowing her to overcome her fears. But now that Trump is in office, all of those fears have come back and in full force. So uh, her therapist prescribes her some medication and tells her to get off of social media. You know, he got off of social media. He put himself into fitness and he's focusing on that instead of like getting a constant barrage of news that as he put you know he has no control over so later on we see her go to the grocery store and uh, she runs into uh, one of the cashiers 
they didn't say his character's name in the episode, but his character is Gary Longstreet. And it turns out he's an MAGA hat-wearing Trump supporter. There's no one in the grocery store, uh, per the cashier. You know, everyone's watching the president speak. And uh, as she's making her purchases, she uh, becomes increasingly more and more paranoid. And, uh, you know, she she starts to get a bit affected as uh, she's shopping around. She sees... uh, clowns behind her that you know in the mirror i should say but when she turns around they are no longer there and then she even sees a pair of clowns having sex in the produce section then she gets chased by clowns throughout the aisles the music that's playing in the grocery store changes to like this hard rock and um she starts using bottles of rosé to defend herself there's even one clown that's got a knife and that's like ready to attack her and then uh, she escapes she runs terrified to her car she ends up calling ivy and telling her about what's going on but then she realizes that there is a clown in the back seat and she panics and drives into uh, a light post or something that type of thing that you see at the grocery uh, parking lot and uh, she gets i guess knocked out by the impact and the the airbag so, just to wrap up this little section, um, apparently there's n- there isn't any evidence to support any of what Allie experienced in the store. The cashier says that uh, she just freaked out and started throwing bottles of rosé. There's no evidence, at least per the police, of like any clowns fornicating with the melons, or near the melons, or clowns anywhere, and that kind of thing. And, uh, yeah... So, let's break this down. (laughs) Yeah, what did you all think of, like, this section of uh, the show? I think we may have an untrustworthy narrative. You think so? Um, I think right out of the back, we, uh, you know, I almost called her Shelby, you guys, which I think is kind of meta, because that's who I think she (laughs) reminds me of. Holy shit. But Allie, I think she has uh, a lot of that. I um, I think that Allie and Kai are caricatures. Uh, they both are kind of the cartoonish version of how the other side of the political spectrum... The snowflake the progressive side. and... Uh, yes. The racist. And she only drinks, like, fair trade milk where the cows get their udders, you know, with shiatsu massages. There you go. Fair trade yarn and the, the whole nine. Uh, not to knock those people, that's your gig. Hey, do you? It's just, you know, not particularly. I'm, I'm not a fan of Whole Foods or uh, like ironic facial hair, so it's just not really my there you gig. Go. So the, uh, the snowflake progressive and the ist conservative, mm-hmm. the ist, or the ism, oh, yeah, you know, with yeah. all the isms, racism, <laughs> you know, misogynistic, homophobic, uh, conservative on the other side with Kai xenophobic and all that kind of stuff he represents the worst and most 
base instinct of us, which is that's strange, that's different, that isn't what I'm used to, so it's bad, it's wrong, it's scary, and it's the same thing that got our current president elected. So I can't sit here and tell you it's an ineffective strategy because it's not. You got somebody in the White House, which by heck, that makes it an objectively good strategy. You want the the largest popularity contest, arguably, or the most important maybe, especially for us, and I think one recurring theme throughout this episode, and it made me think that this may be a season-wide theme, was the idea of fear-based leadership and how, yes, it is effective, but ultimately it doesn't last. It just doesn't work. And especially, you know, what I'm interested to see is if the story that we're watching now is going to catch up with the rest of the stuff that we've seen. Like, are we going to see James Comey? Are we going to see, like, tweets from Trump? I know that they're not supposed to be, excuse me, a huge part of the season, but, you know, he has banked, Kai has banked so much of this first episode into Trump, and a lot of people, you know, have aptly pointed out that there aren't a lot of legislative or, you know, huge victories under the Trump administration's belt. So I'm wondering if we're going to see that, see that divide here uh, uh, on American Horror Story. Um, I got, I was going to answer that, but I was going to say um, two or three things first. One, Allie is a complete and utter mess. I am, I mean, yeah, she, thank. I <laughs> mean, she kind of annoyed me. I love Sarah Paulson, so I think she was, that, that was the whole thing. I think there's kind of a point because everybody else around her is going by what she's telling them. And so um, she's damaged, neurotic, hypocritical. She's tragic. And it's just like you, she's like completely flawed, which makes her a great character. But kind of like you said earlier, Clay, about how, um, or was it Jeff? I don't know which one. One of you guys said that they can't keep doing that. When she sees a clown, she sees, you know, any type of her phobia, just the whole camera stops, you know, getting... The that's oh, a yeah, raven yeah. moment, Clay mentioned yeah, that. Like, so Although like, I like it, because I think it's a really neat trick to sort of, yeah. like, put us in her perspective and, like, what she feels. Oh, yeah, it's completely effective, but it's I just, just wonder if, yeah. you know, on episode 8, if we've seen it so many times, is it going to have the same emotional punch? Exactly. That's the point I'm raising. And that, that's my point, too. The second thing I want to bring up, um, I because I want to say it, but I'm scared if I say it, we'll be jumping ahead too far, so I'm going to say that one, but it has something to do with what actually happened in the store. Mm-hmm. And the sources <laughs> of who told, because you know, it's only two people. Oh, yes, I have that, theories as well. Yeah. Um... So, that's the thing with that. And then the third thing was uh, to talk about what Clay just said about fear and whatnot. Because um, it, like, it kind of reminds me of Charlie Manson. You know, Charles Manson. Oh, yeah, that fucker. You no, know, because I was listening to a podcast, and they were pretty much giving detailed... Uh, um, was this the last podcast on the left? No, this is... Um, you, must, um, you must remember this. And they had a 10-part mm. Charlie... Charles Manson, I keep calling Charlie. Charles Manson. <laughs> You're very comfortable. You and Charles Manson are really good terms. I call him Charlie on the weekends. <laughs> because I think in the podcast they called him Charlie or something like that. It just because mm-hmm. it was ten parts. It showed you how it, it showed you how he built up the cult that he had and how it all yep. fell apart. He just, just wanted to be a fucking musician, man. That's all. <laughs> all of this shit happened because he was bored and did a bunch of drugs. Just it. 
His life is fascinating. Uh, and I think we're going to see other people play him, right? If you think about, like, stuff like that, then Hitler really just wanted to go to art school and be an artist. Like, <laughs> people can want a whole bunch of shit. doesn't mean that they should get it. No, 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 no. By no means does Charles Manson's, like, professional ambitions undo the horrific, weird sex murder crimes that right. followed in the family later. <laughs> just for the record, I want that a public statement I'm not giving. <laughs> Manson on a fucking pink slip at all. Yeah. That's too much. Y'all are killing me. Um, okay. So we're gonna get into theories and stuff on what we think in a moment because we do have a little bit more to cover and I do want to hear what y'all have to say. I am also of the mindset of like, can we trust Allie as a narrator? Because I'm like a whole lot of stuff is happening that everyone says isn't happening, but I have my own theory as to why things are happening and why everyone else doesn't think they're happening. And I'm excited to hear what everyone else has to say about it when we discuss it. Mm. So continuing on with uh, the story. So Allie and Ivy end up deciding to find a new nanny for their uh, son Ozzy because uh, their former nanny slash housekeeper left after the election and uh, Allie who uh, like used to uh, like really be into uh, their um, business it, it's a um, restaurant the butchery on Maine but uh, ever since the election, Allie hasn't been, uh, you know, working at the business and whatnot. And so Allie promises Ivy that uh, she will uh, focus more on the business. Um, Ivy is a chef, so Ivy's like in the back of the restaurant, and Allie's supposed to be in the front of the restaurant. And um, so um, they also get into a discussion about the election again, as far as like who. Allie voted for, Allie voted for Jill Stein, and that's when they encounter Kai out on the street who uh, spills um, his coffee on both of them, and uh, then Allie puts out a, um ad for the nanny, and Kai's sister, Winter, arrives, and we see Kai prepping Winter for this, and we see Winter you know, saying all the right things to, uh, you know, get Allie and Ivy's approval. And uh, during Kai's interview with Winter, we learn a lot of uh, Winter's secrets, including the fact that uh, she's terrified of her brother. And um, Winter ends up getting the job as uh, Oz's new nanny. And uh, to finish off with Kai, before we sort of, I guess, break things down, we see Kai um, taunting a group of Latin men, and uh, he throws uh, a condom filled with urine at them to provoke them, and they beat the shit out of him. But all of this served a greater purpose because we see someone, I'm going to assume Winter, filming the whole ordeal. So, we'll pause right here. And let's discuss Kai and how he's worming his way 
into uh, the lives of uh, Allie and Ivy, as well That's... as Kai with the urine. That is my only question that I have moving forward with the season. Why that? Why is he targeting them? To me, that's the big question for me out of all that we've talked about and we're going to talk about is why is he targeting them? And I'm thinking it has something to do with um, either has something to do with a previous connection that may be in her neurotic state Ali's not aware of or it's something else that we just don't pick up. We probably not gonna pick up on to like the last minute or something. But yeah, um I mean he he went from zero to infinity because when he threw that piss on them lead men, I was like, Yep, they gonna fuck him up as they should. I was not expecting this about to be recording it, so that lets me know that he is really about to build this fear group. Well, this, you know, it, everything clicked for me when I saw the camera because I'm like, okay, he's he's got a big plan, mm-hmm. especially when Winter went to the. Because I'm thinking like you you, you sloshed him with latte on purpose. You sent Winter to go be their nanny. Like it just seems like this reconnaissance or something like that going on. I don't it just that's the thing that's um got me perplexed. Like why them? But, you know, we can't give everything out in the first serving. So um yeah, but that's it, it, yeah. It's kinda like how you you do that with base with every like serial killer with, with with their murder, like with their victims, you're like, why them? Why did you single these people out out of this out of the tons that are out there somewhere, and I, I, I don't necessarily know whether this this show is gonna give you a why. Kai's kind of fucking crazy. I think there. This all seems very targeted, like almost to a laser point, specific to Allie. If she isn't hallucinating this, if the stuff that she's seeing isn't the direct results of like her mental deterioration, mm-hmm. and somebody is there, and there are people. Uh, that is organization of a level that it doesn't seem like he would just pick a stranger off the street. And, you know, I do think that there are some serial killers where even if it's just maybe there's something about Allie. Like, I think Bundy killed people because they parted their hair a certain way or, you know, different. It may be some weird thing that brought him. But it just it seems like the amount of effort, the the planning and all of this being targeted at her and infiltrating with uh, Winter, I'm feeling like... Like, there's got to be a bigger something. But, you know, maybe there maybe there isn't. But I do hope that they show us, um, like you were saying, Mark, what is this about? And I think, hmm, excuse me, uh, it really is the big question so far of me, uh, for me of the season. The one that kind of hangs above them all is, like, why is this happening to her? Is this her, her, her brain or is she being stalked? And then lastly, is it still paranoia if somebody's really out to get you? Yeah, that's true. There was that one point in the episode where I was like, is this all in her head? There, there's something that happens later on that I think confirmed for me that this wasn't all in her head. Mm-hmm. But I'm curious to see what they do with this. Is this going to be like a fight club type of thing where, it, you know, are Ali and Kai the same person? 
burm, burm, burm. <laughs> like bum, that, bum, bum. that would be a mind fuck. Um, but yeah, because at one point I was like, is she hallucinating all this? Or is this real? Or is there like a really large conspiracy about it? I think this is an appropriate time to bring it up because I feel like Mark and I are on the same wavelength. Like, the, you know, just focusing on her situation in the grocery store, someone knows about her phobias. Thank you. So, because I had to rewind it, because um, Allie at one point was like, you know, they knew about, you know, me and the holes, because they had holes, and I was like, they had holes in it? I guess because that's not one of my phobias, and I'm not scared of that, nor creeped out by it. I didn't realize it, so I rewound it, and I was like, oh, okay, there were a couple of clown masks with irregular holes on it. So I'm like, is the therapist one of the clowns? Then I started looking around to everybody. Is the cashier one of the clowns? Is, um... Could Ivy be one of the clowns? I became so paranoid and suspicious about everyone that was in Allie's life after that. You guys, can I be real? Can we get... Let's let's get real. Let's be real, Clay. Let's break it down. I fucking hate Ivy so far. I don't like her at all. I'm suspicious of her. She... I'm just like, uh... Oh, okay. She looks like an adult kindergartner to me. Oh, that doesn't awful. really have anything to do with like who she is, but like, just I think it's more her mannerisms than it is any like physical attributes. It's just her. I don't know. Her personality just bothers me. I'm just like, uh, I know I'm probably the lone person who feels like that. But I'm just like, man, I'm not I an Ivy like, fan. I don't like Allie. I feel like she's so pretentious. That whole, I don't like. I don't like poisoning my body with other chemicals. Like, I'm just like, I rolled my eyes so hard Hell at yeah. that statement. Yeah. Like, That's so irresponsible to go off your medication like that. If it's something you, you know, has been decided for you, you've decided for yourself. And that's why I kind of sympathize with Ivy. And let me explain my stance. Oh, uh, here we go. <laughs> because it's like she... Allie herself told her therapist how much Ivy helped her come out of her agoraphobia when 9-11 happened. Mm -hmm. like she was the one who got her to the level that she was pre-election 2016. Ivy is a rock and everything. But Ivy also knows how, like Priscilla used the perfect word, pretentious um, Allie could be. Ivy knows how pretentious she can be. Here's the example. First and foremost, she's they, like you just said, Clay. She didn't take her medicine. Like now, you know that you need to get well because we, our world is falling apart because you are deciding not to get the help that we are seeking out for you. That's number one. And then number two is the fact that she all this stuff happened election night, right? So in my mind, Ali is probably going through this like self guilt. Like I did a protest vote because I don't I couldn't trust Clinton, even though I hate Trump. But I'm gonna throw my vote to Jill Stein because Ivy brought that up. And so it goes back to the opening scene when Tom Chen was like, all the votes went to Jill Stein. She had ten thousand votes. Those could have easily helped Hillary take the you know da da da. 
and you see the look on their faces and Alice like, oh my God, is it true? Because she had the realization like, I probably caused this. You know, I did this. This is my fault. And so I guess from Ivy's standpoint is you count everything that's happened to you, you are bringing upon yourself. And I can't do so much, but it's done. Just move on. Yada, yada, yada. But um, I hid in my notes because <laughs> I told you I had a book of notes. Um, I said that I'm sorry. Um, yeah, possible. That the, um, go ahead. I'm about to fucking put my notes up because they're all over the place. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, here it is. Later, I, 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 Ali thanked Ivy for keeping that um, fact quiet, but it's apparent that Ivy might not be as forgiven about that throwaway vote that she initially let on. And I said, more mm-hmm. of the fact that Ali's self-imposed guilt might have enhanced the phobias and brought all her problems onto herself, then not trusting Hillary despite their hate for Trump. For me, I'm more sympathetic for Ivy than I am of Ali because there's only so much one can take with someone's self-inflicted pain before the cracks begin to form and significant others are resolved. Because it's kind of like she's self-hurting herself, but not physically, but maybe, probably like mentally. And Ivy's probably like, you know, I've done everything I can, you know, yada, yada, yada. However, she knows that woman's phobias. She knows that woman's itinerary you know what i'm saying so it just seemed to me that it was odd that she along with the therapist and one other person that jeff has yet to reveal all knew all of the ones who were he knew something about her phobia and we're taking their word over her so it's kind of suspicious in that level but that's true but i get it ali can be very she, I mean, Ivy can be, especially in what I saw the preview clips, but I'm not going to get into. My, my, I, my uh, sympathy for Ivy might change drastically. It's very, very so. So. Not everything is as it seems in this show. Exactly. For now, Big time. I reserve my judgment and say that, like, I, I, I don't particularly care for Ali based on like the, the like just the hypochondriac, like the, 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 the. the I don't know, holier than thou attitude. Like it's just, it's, it's kind of it's, annoying, and I feel sorry for Ivy because she kind of has to. She's taking on two jobs at once right now: the job that Allie should be doing at the restaurant, plus like being the supportive like mom because Allie can't do that either because she's too busy with her phobias. So like, balancing all of that at once kind of sucks. And it's hard on a partner, so exactly. And it's I one can th- totally see where she's coming from. And it's one thing for it to be just them two, but they have a child now, yep. and it's clearly affecting Ozzy to a certain extent. I think that kid is like way more, probably because of the progressive upbringing. He's way more intelligent than you know. Um, Winter. I think Winter's going to underestimate that kid, but that's you know probably on the story <laughs> so. okay well let's get into winter and ozzy because winter immediately starts to bond with oz especially over his fascination with twisty the clown earlier in the episode ivy took away his uh twisty uh, comic book but uh oz is creating his own comic book by drawing one of twisty's murders 
and uh, she ends up taking Oz to a computer, and Winter introduces him to the dark web. Uh, uh, basically websites of um, murders and whatnot. And uh, at one point, Oz is like, you know, I don't think I'm supposed to be watching this. You know, I'm not comfortable seeing all this. But uh, Winter's like, no, you should watch it. You know, you, it, it may hurt in the beginning, but you need to get used to seeing this, basically. While that's happening, when Ozzy is alone, he ends up hearing the demented music of an ice cream truck from outside the window and he peers through the window and sees a group of clowns the same clowns that ally saw in the grocery store exiting the ice cream truck and uh, staring at uh, his house elsewhere in the city at the exact same time while on a sort of uh, romantic tasting, uh, menu tasting type of uh, um, date night, I guess, for the couple. We see that um, Allie and Ivy are alone in their restaurant, and uh, Allie is so engrossed in her phone and reading Trump's tweets that she doesn't like at all uh, notice who brings her a um, covered dish to taste because uh, the whole idea is that Allie's going to be tasting some of Ivy's new uh, menu ideas and if you paused it because I rewound it we saw that it's a clown that brings her the dish no way! I, I I totally wasn't paying attention. Like I I I saw her tweeting about it. Like I I was watching the whole thing, but like I didn't actually take a good look at who delivered it. So I I, I totally thought all of this was in her head. I thought this was like the big the the big reveal as to like that weird aura, like the 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 weird way it was filmed during the grocery scene. Mm-hmm. And this scene tied together as it being, like, in her head. But if you're right, and the clown did put in, like, the serving tray there, then maybe maybe this, maybe this, she's not as unreliable as I thought she was. Huh. It was a clown. I paused it. It had, um, like, the stripes on it, uh, on, on their arm. And, um, yeah, so she, you know, opens up, she lifts up the, the cover of the tray, and on her plate is uh, mixed greens with fingers in it, and then, I don't even know what you would call it, it looks like a, you know, a, a patty type of thing that's got holes in it and blood uh, oozing out of the holes, and she immediately freaks out, Ivy uh, comes in, and, and, oh, no, no. Lies. She freaks out and then she looks over and she sees the clown that brought her the dish because it's the clown that's got striped sleeves jerking off behind the counter. And Allie freaks out some more and Ivy approaches and uh, Allie is like, There's someone here. There's a clown. I saw the clown. And so they go throughout the entire restaurant. 
and no one else is there. Ivy's like, there's no one here. And uh, Allie's like, well, what about this? And so she lifts up the cover again, and now it's the spinach souffle or something that uh, Ivy had made. Now, maybe Allie didn't think of this, but, like, show her the damn thing first, the food, because it was, like, right there uncovered. But she didn't think of that because she was freaking out. And so, uh, you know, basically Ivy has had it at that point. She's like, you know, what is going on? And Allie's like, am I going insane, basically? Mm. So Allie and Ivy are driving home, you know, sort of discussing this. Apparently, Allie has not been taking her medication. And uh, there's a whole bunch of police tape in their neighborhood. They stop and, you know, they make sure that Ozzy's okay. Ozzy is fine. And uh, the Chang family has been murdered. And according to Ozzy, Winter allowed Ozzy basically to watch the Changs get murdered by a gang of clowns. And so obviously when Ozzy fills them in, you know, they're freaking out. And Winter's like, no, that's not what happened. You know, we were together and we came outside when the police arrived. And uh, Ozzy, I found this, this Twisty the Clown comic book. And so then Ivy's like, oh, you know, well, he has night terrors. And he doesn't know when he's asleep or or awake or that he's dreaming and whatnot. And so they sort of, um, you know, they excuse that away. And when uh, Detective Samuels gets asked by the women like what happened what happened he's like oh you know initially he sort of like rebuffs them like he did earlier where they're you know oh you know they have to investigate or that kind of thing but uh detective samuels ends up telling them that it was a murder suicide that there isn't any evidence that suggests otherwise although from the perspective of ozzy like ozzy saw the clowns put some sort of, um, I guess, gang clown sign in, in blood on one of the walls. So there's that. And later on that night, Allie is in bed. She hears some sort of uh, rumbling in the house, and uh, she calls out for Ivy. And when she turns over in bed, there is um, what I'm calling him the penis clown, because he's got it looks like he's got dildos all over his face but um the dildo clown is in bed with her is that the one that's the three the three-headed clown yeah Yeah. there's the dildo clown there's the ball ball gag clown there's the one that looks like a ghost clown there's the demented joker type of clown and there's a fifth one that i can't remember now the one with the brain no, yeah. the, the the female one is the ball gag. It oh, looks like she's got. Right. Looks like she's kinky. Yeah. Then there's another one who has the the one that was in the car. He has the. There's a. I got Um. There's a. The website shows you all for the mask and the one in the car is the one that's creeping out the most. Yeah, that was the one that looks like a head. ghost. That one looked yeah, like a one, ghost to me. Okay. Oh god. And then there's the one that was jerking off, which I haven't decided. They look like <laughs> they got bandages on their face, so we'll call that one bandage. But um. Anyway. Let's break this all down. From the restaurant to the Changs. 
what is going on? And Detective Samuels is in on it, right? Exactly. That's what yeah. I was itching at because I'm like, he was the one who told Ivy, like, they said that the, the clerk said that you went ballistic, and he's the one who was telling them it was a murder-suicide. We clearly can tell that it was no damn murder-suicide. So he is clearly in on it, and um, it goes to show that he was in on it and the damn clerk at the grocery store because... When he put on that Make America's Great Again hat, it was like, okay, you're fucking with her now. And you know, so, because you knew what, why would you do that at work? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, that's why I was trying to get it earlier. But, with the whole situation with at the restaurant, a part of me wants to say that it was both her... Ivy? Uh, say it again? Ivy? No, Allie, when the, with the restaurant, when, um, but hell, it could have been Ivy. Um, but uh, I'm thinking that it was partially Allie's imagination and the stuff that actually happened to her because it kind of reminds me of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre um, when people saw that movie because you watched that movie and everybody kept saying oh that movie's horrible it's so gory and that movie has no gory in it if you really look at it but you're so caught up in the um Terror, um, terrorizing experience so but her seeing the holes she probably there probably was holes inside the meat and then her brain kicked in and just showed her blood when there wasn't any blood and then the clown was actually there see what I'm saying like the clown was there he did bring the stuff to her or he or she brought the stuff to her but then her brain took over and making it more than what it was but the clown was there fucking with her that's what I thought in the restaurant yeah. These clowns are horny. I'm just saying. Very. Very. Fucking in the For produce. Like- As a germaphobe, I was more scared of them fucking in the produce than anything. Because I'm like, <laughs> none of those produce items are sanitary now. I'm just saying. For someone who's really like, oh, nobody's scared of like a little bit of penis or something like that. She's real phobic about sex. Yeah. 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 And it might be a clue to something that probably else, something else that probably happened to her. Mm. I think it might just be the location. I think you know any Michiganders are horny. Having sex next to tomatoes <laughs> might raise an eyebrow. Like, oh, okay, did so that happen? My melons, no, they're <laughs> unclean. Why are you jerking off in my restaurant? <laughs> oh God. Yeah. I don't know. I feel so bad for that kid. That kid's gonna be so fucked up by all of this. Yeah. Like, if or not, he already fight. is. But did nobody catch the fact that he was like, I shouldn't be watching this, but you're reading a, a comic called Twisted Clown Chronicles where a man is eating out a woman and then he gets his throat slashed and then it's, you know, so it's like, but you're already there. You're already on that journey. You might as well just mm. continue taking it. So it's just like, <laughs> it kind of was like, you know, I don't know. He probably felt like he probably shouldn't be watching because he's probably scared that his mom or somebody might come in and be like, you shouldn't be watching stuff like that. Or he probably just genuinely scared, but I'm like, you have a Twisted the Clown comic in your drawer. So it's like... Those things are kind of, at least to me, kind of miles apart because then by that same logic, you could say that we, uh, all of us here talking could be potential murderers because we watch American Horror Story. True, true. I I give you that one. I give you that one. It's Mm. that whole thing where like it's a sliding scale. Like, he, as a kid, you shouldn't be reading that twisty comic book. But, like, I know people that, like, let their kids watch, like, Death Note and stuff like that when they were, like, fucking, like, 
really tiny. And like it's, it's, it's no, it isn't or, that bad. I don't. Th- I'm mean, like thinking back, and I'm gonna take that back. I'm gonna take what I just said back. Can I take that back? No, no. it's on the record. <laughs> well, because I'm the same way with like uh, horror movies. I'm a big horror head, but if mm-hmm. you show me something on Discovery Network where somebody's getting operated on, like somebody coming to the um, hospital with a uh, um spike in between their like neck and their I tend to freak out. So yeah. <laughs> because I know that's real. Yeah. And, there's a and, difference between like right, right. fake gore and like watching someone die, which yeah. is what he was what what you were seeing with her. Like Brandon like this is your what what did she call it? She called it um his vaccination. Like, a vaccination for your brain. I was just like what the hell sort of shit have you been on? Like, uh-uh. like that. What the? It is nuts what is happening. And that, like, literally, uh, one thing that really distressed me about that was that, to me, is, like, a, a thing. They played on a fear, like, the, the tiny holes in the regular patterns, yada, yada, you know, bees or clowns or what have you. Don't really get it for me. But the idea of watching, like, somebody die or a snuff film or seeing a video reel like that is, like, even an image would be distressing if you just saw an image. But, you know, he was sitting there watching it. And I don't have kids, but I have to imagine that a lot of parents are looking at that, and that is literally like a materialization of their worst nightmare, the worst thing that their kid could do. When, you know, you look at your child and you see their face lit up by the glow of the laptop, you are hoping that it's Neopets or some shit. (laughs) That's how long long it's been since I know a kid. Man, you are dating Shout out to Tamagotchi. It's all Power Rangers and... uh, Neopets, Tamagotchis, and all the all the cool stuff. But it that's my my worst fucking nightmare would be to I don't watch fight videos, I don't do any of that stuff. I just abhor all of the what it is is it's sensationalizing violence. It it yeah. is and I think her vaccination comment speaks to a little bit uh, you know, I think in terms of physical, like, harm and stuff, if you see it in a movie, that's fine. There are even studies that support that, you know, there is some therapeutic benefit to seeing that because it's taking your internal fears and making them something that, like, you see it happen and you survive it and you move on and yada, yada, yada. And I think that that's why a lot of people are drawn to horrors because it allows them to, you know, to get that. There's a, a sense of release that, that comes with it. And, again, you know, like I said at the, the top of this episode, this is American Horror Story's self-titled album. This is their, the most American, the most, you know, uh, they really, like, hit all three of the words that are their titles. So, yeah, we'll see moving on. But there were, the that to me, that was rough to, to watch, even though I knew it was fake, just the idea that that was real or seeing a, a child of that age watch that stuff. It was just horrifying. It was really scary stuff. And I was going to also add on to that the fact that kind of backing up a little bit when Winter was asking him, so which one's your mommy? He said, they're both my mommy. She said, no, which one carried you while you was a kid? Then she said, but where's your, where's your dad? Like I'm like, so I'm thinking like, then you went for Hillary Clinton, but you are like having no problems being this, you know, demented. And what I'm trying to say is, is that like she just, I guess she turned off her feelings. It, it, it felt like Kai was channeling she was channeling Kai like that was Kai that wasn't her that was Kai in 
like like he possessed mm-hmm. her or something like that. You know or what I'm that's what he prepped her to do. Yeah, yeah he probably prepped her to say. Yeah, but it's like she had no, because you look at Winter. Well, she's when, terrified of him. True, true, true. But I just think that because I'm just like the fact that she could turn it off so easily that she wasn't bothered by it. And then the fact that she's doing all this. She reminds me of Peyton from The Hand of Rocks the Cradle. Like, she just is in here to wreck shop. And she's very skilled in it. You know what I'm saying? Because at first, I'm thinking, like, you probably have some type of apprehension about the, what you're doing, like, from her standpoint. But it just seems to me that she has no problem whatsoever. Because she did say that she was a, she couldn't stand children. She's afraid of children. So that might have something to do with it, but at the same time, it's like, but your ideals, you took a year out of school to go campaign for Hillary Clinton, who represents, like, she got started in education. You know what I'm saying? Like, that was her bread and butter. So you have to work with kids in some capacity. Am I making any sense? You know? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like, you have to, you, you took, you dedicated a year out of school to follow this woman and her ideals but you have no problem whatsoever to sit here and destroy a child's mind you know so I wonder if there is a larger game at play that we haven't even begun to see the shape of oh, it has to be. I'm wondering if she is maybe doing this uh, because there's something she maybe is like a metaphorical shotgun against her back. Kai may have, and I'm interested to see her motivations because that is one thing that I thought about too is the difference between, um, excuse me, the attendance that like Hillary Clinton ran on and you know this, this, and that versus what we saw. So it definitely seems like she was primed on what she was supposed to go and do and say. But like one thing that I thought was interesting is that they're supposed to be brother and sister, but. Uh, they were asking her about, or he was asking her about, like, her childhood. So I'm wondering if, like, the brother and sister, is that, like, uh, like, cult speak, like, brother, this, this, and that, you know what I mean? Or sister, yada, yada, yada. I'm interested to see that. I think they're blood, because they, I think they have the same last name, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but that doesn't mean anything. But they could be, you no. Know, their parents are probably, you know, Probably like Brady Bunch type of situation, but um, I'm thinking they're, they're blood because I think their hair is like she does. She have like a bluish tint in her hair too. Well, I'm gonna assume could, they're both dyed. Hers is kind of grayish and his is bluish. Yeah, because they have like a twin quality. That whole pinky finger thing—it's like a twin quality of some yeah, sort. Yeah, the and pinky finger thing is weird. I wonder if that might be the cult type of thing. Includes the theme song. Yeah, and I'll be honest, I had not noticed that at all, uh, um, Clay, until you mentioned it. And then I was like, yeah, they do do the pinky mm-hmm. finger thing. That's what I'm here for, guys. Random knowledge. <laughs> yes. Useful so once every ten years. I have a fact that is pertinent, so... That's interesting. I wonder what that means, and will the cult members have to do that? And I don't know. I'm fascinated. I'm curious to see what's going to go on. Because the Changs got murdered by the clowns, that's when I was like, okay, the clowns are real. Yeah. 
Uh, I think what they were doing the writers were they're making uh, a bit of a play at the auditing process uh, that Scientology does where they yeah. uh, at least that is how I interpreted that scene where they sit you down and then for our listeners if you're not familiar with it in the religion of Scientology you go through I believe it's called auditing which is where you sit down across from somebody who is an established member of the Church of Scientology and then essentially they run you through the most painful humiliating embarrassing or memorable moments uh, of your life uh, and then there has been some controversy uh, with the Church of Scientology, and I'm wondering if we'll see this echoed in, excuse me, cult, is um, if we are going to see uh, the uh, kind of, uh, I'm trying to like circle around this because some people really, really do uh, believe in Scientology, but there's been a lot of stuff about manipulation and about potential blackmail and about that specific process, the auditing when people, you know, in an effort for like spiritual clarity are really confessing all of these things. And it's almost like, you know, uh, going to a confessional for like uh, people who practice the Catholic faith. Uh, but it, that's what that reminded me of immediately. It, it, it was like auditing, just like without the machine, though. And in the promos, there was a clip with, I don't know if you guys watched the promo with um, Billy Lord as Winter, and she pretty much said, like, you know, just give me your finger, and, you know, if you lie, I'll know. If you're scared, I'll know. You know, it's just some sort of, like, symbolism for the particular culture, and so it's it's... Like so, it's all tied together. So because, um, also the fact that damn Kyle was getting his ass kicked at that moment. So and Winter was at home, and you know, so with the kids, so that means there's somebody else at play. And I'm thinking that Kai sent the clowns to go take out the chins. You know what I'm saying? So because he said he was humiliated, so he was no, that means it, yeah, that humiliated like moment as soon as as soon as he started mumbling that and like walking away like oh fuck you just signed your death warrant like you just you just pissed off a crazy person and you don't piss off crazy he gave me shades of tape in that moment murder house like vintage american horror story it was very tate like yes and i want to also mention tom chan as well because um he read the fuck out of um, Kai at that meeting because he brought us something called 4chan. I'm like, what the fuck is that? And so I had to go look that up, and I'm like, oh, that's what it is. But it's yeah, because um, yeah, I did not know that even existed. So um, it's like where you know how in stories there is like a bridge, and all the trolls live under it. That's like 4chan with the internet. Pretty much, I can. I, I, I didn't even bother visiting the website. I'm like, I'll probably go here and get mad as hell. But mm-hmm. it just seems that because he, um, Tom Chan, carried over his anger and his like frustration with you know people who didn't vote, people who threw away you know um, protest votes and stuff like that. And so he brought that to that meeting. And he was like, "Look," he said, "You might have came out. You, what you what you need to do is you need to go ahead and come out since you came out to." Mama and Daddy's basement, you need to go ahead and meet people who are different from you. He pretty much read him for film. And it was like most of that wasn't because of I'm the um the chairperson of whatever I don't know if that was the city council board or whatever. But it was more along it was more along the lines of this is me talking as an individual and me this is me telling you Trump might be your president, but don't let your president get you fucked up. 
You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That was him selling that in so many words. And so I kind of, to me, he had a beginning, middle, and end. Um, Chin did. He sat there, he showed his frustration, and he was one of those vocal people who like, I'm not having it, I'm in power, and I'm going to do everything I can, I can in my district to make sure that my constituents are safe. So I'm going to send these cops over here. So it all came like full circle. Like, you know, you speak out or you this is what happened to people who are against whatever Kai is going down. He's going to just take you out. And it just seems like, oh, guys, so much I can go on. But I, I'm going to stop it right here. Oh, one last thing. You guys know that um, the um, Mayfair Richards, a.k.a. Ivy and Ollie, Ollie stay in the Halloween house, right? That's 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 the house that the Stro, uh, Laurie Stroh was babysitting in um, Halloween. Um, what? Yeah. Wait, which yeah. house? The house that they stay in. That's the house. Oh, that was, that's awesome. Yeah, that's the house that you know that that, that street is Haddonfield on <laughs> Halloween. Yeah, which is kind of crazy because see the kids saw the clowns go inside the house, kind of like in Halloween. <laughs> so it's just kind of like it's still creepy. Oh, and that's funny. You know, oh, that's so. awesome. I like that. that cool. I think their house is gorgeous. I'm not gonna lie, and it has a very creepy murder house you know, type of vibe to it, which is nice. You know, the house inside, it it looks kind of creepy. And especially since we're getting, I guess, you know, a sort of uh, the purge, the strangers type of vibe with the clowns, it's appropriate that they live in a creepy house. I didn't think any of the clown masks were really that scary, to be quite honest. But it sort of gives kind of like a The Strangers vibe where it's like these weird, almost cartoony type of clown masks besides the one clown that actually looks like a clown that has like a really creepy, maniacal, demented face. The other ones are kind of, you know, sort of like cheesy-ish, you know, the ball gag lady, the dildo face and um, that kind of stuff. Um, Okay, so... At the end of the episode, just a really quick, there is a clown in her bed. Yes or no? Yeah. I'm going to say yes, just for the sake of, like, narrative momentum. I don't think that this season so far has shown us that it's going to kind of Game of Thrones do, like, a season of solemn character building, which is never really an option for American Horror Story to begin with because of the nature of it, you know? Uh, and I think it's true to horror. Horror reminds me of uh, a character from Scream, the TV show, which was such a guilty pleasure of mine. I'm so embarrassed that it's in it. Don't feel bad. Don't feel bad. I watched it all. Don't so did I. And Priscilla, even though she's not yeah. admitting it. Okay, I'm amongst. Okay, <laughs> I, I forgot. I'm amongst friends. You guys are you guys are chill people. Uh, but it reminded me of that uh, monologue that Noah has in season one, where he talks about you know um, the hot movie or scary movies. They burn quick. They burn hot. They burn fast uh that's kind of what this episode was um so i i I think they're gonna have it to where it's a a clown if it just they open the next episode and it's just like ally or uh ivy and she just like you know puts her reading glasses on and sees she's just mistaken the whole time i hope i hope that for sake of just raising the stakes of it you know that it's a real clown okay so any final thoughts on the episode as a whole? Any theories, any ideas, anything from the episode that you wanted to uh, bring up uh, before we sort of 
segue into our MVP. I'll, I'll start picking on you guys individually. Mark, what about you? Um, I just think, again, I think that either Dr. Vincent, Ivy... Rudy. Dr. Rudy. Yeah, his, his last name's uh, Vincent. Um, oh, okay, there you go. Yeah. Um, he and Ivy have to have somebody spill somebody is spilling the tea to Kai and I'm just trying to figure out why in the hell are they targeting um Allie. So it's, it's it's it feels like a scream scenario. Like you don't know who to trust. Like she give you don't know who to trust except for the kid because he can't possibly be doing the shit. So um that's what I'm looking for. I don't to. trust that kid. You don't trust the kid? I don't trust anybody except for Allie. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Okay. I'm gonna be an alley Apollo. This I can already see, and I can tell you guys straight up. Like, I work with a lot of alleys. I'm a counselor in real life, and like, I'm kind of immune to the neuroses of other people. It just doesn't affect me as much. But I can totally see uh, how her personality, and like I said earlier, she's kind of a caricature of what people view as this kind of uh, super left leaning. Uh, laissez-faire parent, blah, blah, blah. Clay, continue on. And any final thoughts on the episode? Anything that you wanted to mention? Yeah, uh, just mostly that I I was... They are capturing this moment in America better than any other uh, TV show right now. Better than some news networks, to be completely frank with you. Uh, The anxiety, the fear, the claustrophobia, the uncertainty, the wondering... All of that is what we are constantly going through day after day. And, you know, I just want to say this. At, at this point, it's been made, and this is a little bit of, you know, something I hope listen, resonates with our listeners. We we can't always look up for leadership. Right now, That that's not, we have to look to each other. We have to look to our neighbors. We have to accept each other. Um, and, and really dismiss this idea that anything is different or bad. And this show uh, is, to me, this was satire at like uh, the 10th degree, the way that they did this. It was so biting, it was so current, and it was so relevant. And I think a lot of people felt like this show expressed things that they felt but haven't really had the words for. Okay. Darnell, what about you? Any final thoughts? Well, I know I've been a little quiet because I, I feel like I'm still trying to figure out like what's going on in this this um this season. Still kind of confused with what's going on here. Um, I think that overall, so far, uh, even though it seems that everything is very reminiscent of like 2016, 2017 politics, I feel like they, they there's a bigger picture here other than just the whole political thing. I feel like. Um, I I think half the time she might be hallucinating, and half the time it 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 could be that you know it's real stuff that's going on. So they kind of mix it in together so that you wouldn't know which is which, and um, maybe clowns in this in this show could be like symbolic of uh I don't know uh, uh, uh authority figures. And um, I feel like people, some of the people that you feel are kind of shady in the background is because they really are shady. Like, um, who knows, maybe that could be the plot twist that everybody is like working together and everybody is against them. They could all be clowns for all we know. 
uh, <laughs> Shian her son might be the only sane people in, in the entire thing. I don't know. It feels like there's something like like a huge, huge plus. And this is like the only season of um, horror story that I've ever been this stumped with. You know? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's just my two cents. No, I, I, I completely get where you're coming from. I, I, I feel like I I can't really say whether or not, like, it's fake or it's an illusion or whether or not, like, it's people, step like, having a hidden agenda against her or why. Because I don't have enough information yet. Like, I, I, I want to... I want exactly. to know more before I say anything. I am shocked. Priscilla, you and I normally agree on most things. This is like one of the the, the few times in more distinct memory I can think we fall on different um, sides of the coin. <laughs> Jeff, this podcast is tearing us apart. Thank you. It is. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you for this. The new alliances are forming. Uh, Priscilla, yeah, what yeah, about you? Like Game of Thrones. Yes. American a- Horror Story. <laughs> any other final thoughts on the episode, Priscilla, or anything that you wanted to bring up? Nothing. Just You guys have like a really good argument towards the clowns being real and that end clown at the very end in the bed being real. But I'm still not convinced. Like, I don't know. Something about her, like, defending herself with the rosé. Like, how did she, like, hit her... How did she hit the car and the clown in the back wasn't hurt at all and, like, edged out of the way before anything? Like, we know that the cop is in on something because... Who the hell says it's a murder-suicide when, like, the throat is slit that way? Like, there, there's angles and science, obviously, to this that point you in the right direction here. Yeah. And that that cop, obviously, isn't doing it. So I see the, like, the breadcrumbs leading to, like, the right, the, the right trail here. But I, I just I need more. I need more. It- and to piggyback off of that with the cop, it just goes to show that the fact that you don't know who's a clown or who's not kind of goes to back to the night of the election. When the um, um, election night, people woke up to people like they, they woke up next morning and they weren't friends. Family members were not family. They were they were family members, but they like relationships cracked that night. Yeah. So you don't know with, with the fact that the cop could be behind it. So it goes to show that it could be your local neighborhood um, grocery grocer, your friendly neighborhood cop, your neighbors, anybody. You know, it kind of goes to show like you, you, the people who you think that you know, who you trust, might not have your best interests at heart because of their own issues that they've been harboring. And so now that this new regime has come in. It you know they feel like they have the freedom to do what they want now, and so that's why I think it's the most horrific thing about this whole entire season because I lost a lot of friends, uh, I've become detached from a lot of people because of this election, mm-hmm. and that is a horror. That is a horror story in itself. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, that's a good point. I think this nation is <clears throat> wounded. I think that we're hurt. I think we're looking for something someone some idea something to kind of pull us back together because everything is so partisan and everything is uh just so hostile so hot and contested and just this volatile mix but yeah you know i i think that this to me 
seems so timely. Like only Ryan Murphy could hit this, you know, it is just so perfectly timed. So yeah, what I'm interested to see is that when we record the podcast for, for the finale, when we look back, you know, and us being on the, the, the pilot episode for this season now, uh, what did it had all been about? What was a larger point of all of this? You know, what did it all add up to? Um, and yeah, that's what I'm interested to see is what, what direction this is all going to head in. I like that. My final thoughts, I guess, for me, confirmation that the clowns were real happened when I saw them killing the Changs. I'm like, okay, this mm. wasn't just in her head because it's the exact same clowns that we saw in the grocery store. As far as the dildo clown being in her bed, I guess we'll have to see. Was that just a, um, you know, a, a something that her mind concocted, or is he actually there? I'm not certain. I guess it would be kind of like one of those cheap horror things where, you know, she turns on the light and there's nothing there. Or like, you know, Ivy comes into the room, turns on the light and there's nothing there. Or she leaves the room and returns and there's nothing there. And then that'll mm. leave it vague as to whether there was or wasn't. I guess we'll have to see about that. What I'm more curious about is who were the clowns that were fucking? Um, nobody <laughs> said anything about them besides they were fucking in the damn uh, melons. But who were they? You know, was that... You know, Emma Roberts' character. Emma Roberts. Is that, you know... Oh, yeah. Is <laughs> that Ivy getting banged by Kai? Is it uh, Winter getting banged by Kai and they're not really blood-related? Or are uh -oh. was it? And, and they still are. Super Game of Thrones. You know, yeah, is it Game of Thrones all up in there? <laughs> That's something I'm curious about, because there seems to be some sort of sexual relationship with the clowns. So, if these clowns are people we have already been introduced to... Then who, who was doing it? That might be kind of interesting to see if that ever gets revealed. And why? What the hell is this all about? Exactly. So now it's time for the MVP, the most valuable player. Which character impressed you the most and why? The rules are simple. You state which character impressed you throughout this episode and why. And if someone has already mentioned the character that you were going to choose, you must select a different one. No repeats. So we will start off with... Darnell. Um, hmm. This was really difficult. Really, really difficult. But you have it very easy because you have everyone to choose. I know. I know, right? <laughs> um, I almost want to say I don't have one. But if I had to choose an MVP... I would choose Kai because I feel like he is the mastermind between be, be, uh, the mastermind of of a lot of the things that we're going to see coming up later in the episode in the in the season. Um, just the fact that I mean, it's so scared of him, and he's able to control her to that that point. Um, I think we'll see him have a show in his control over a lot other people and situations coming on later down. Okay. Uh, yeah. And listeners, at this point in the podcast is where Darnell's co-hosts give him the cold shoulder. 
and turn away from him, because I'm sure several of you might have had Kai as your MVP. Maybe, maybe not. We will find out. So, who shall go next? Who am I feeling nice to? Uh, Mark. Oh, okay. Uh, oh, I'm a little nervous. Um, I'm going to go with Winter. Oh, no, not, no, not Winter, excuse me. I meant to say Ivy, excuse me. Um, mm. Only because... <laughs> and only because she is a trooper um, and she is doing everything in her power to make sure that her family stays, you know, intact and whatnot. Although this cracks forming, she's the MVP tonight because she, you know, is pretty much the not, I won't say the same person, but she is the one who is pretty much telling Allie, you have to take care of yourself. You have to take care of yourself. If you want to get better, you have to do what is required of you. To Not just for the sake of this marriage or for our business, for the sake of our son. So that's tonight. My, my, my mood might change in a couple of weeks, so... Okay, you know that meme of the little blonde girl in the backseat of the car? Yes. That's the I'm face I'm giving Chloe. you. <laughs> really? Because that's the wrong answer. But um, you can have her. <laughs> Priscilla, your MVP. Yes, I'm so happy that you chose me next. Oh my god! For, for two seconds, I thought that you were going to choose mine. Winter is totally my MVP. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> I'm freaking love winter like she's so fucking weird like there's there's such a duality to her and i feel like if there's like a cult she's already a member of it because she's so scared of her brother and even though like she she campaigned for hillary clinton like obviously she doesn't espouse like those ideals or if she does she can't anymore because of like a pinky promise that she made with her brother so I, I'm looking forward to see more more about her character and the scenes that I have seen her in like were the most fucked up scenes of the episode with her showing a kid like real murders happening and like her seeing like a real murder happening and lying about it to the parents. So yep, she's my MVP. Okay, I'm gonna be nice and I'm gonna go last. So that means Clay, you're next. Oh, what? Well, I will see. Maybe you'll you. I don't think. Uh, my MVP for the the first episode out uh, this season is gonna be Mr. Chen, because fuck you, Kai, Chang. fuck you, and all that you think and do is just such a little bitch. I hate him, but it's just it, it's great acting on Evan Peters' part. But Mr. Chen, uh, before when he's talking to his wife, like you couldn't be bothered to vote. Oh my God, that would infuriate me. Yes. That would just oh. That is like, if you didn't vote, you don't have a right. You don't get to criticize a democratic process you refuse to engage in. You know what I'm saying? It's, you have to uh, keep your eyes open, get out there and vote. That's like our, our fucking duty. I'm sorry. I'm going to make a whole tangent there. But, yeah, I think Mr. Chen, I really, really, what he said to him, you know, like, you need to get out. You need to go meet some people that are different from you, who've had different life experiences. And that's incredibly true. I think the best way to combat prejudice is through diversity, which seems kind of like counterintuitive, but really that's the best way to do it, to uh, like take somebody's preconceptions of a, a race, a group of 
people a demographic uh, and to dismantle it, introduce them to people in that. Because what happens is, is that, you know, they realize that people aren't these caricatures that they have built up in their head, that people are a lot more complex and three-dimensional than that. So uh, gone but not forgotten, my MVP is going to be Mr. Chen. Or Chang, as he's called in the actual show. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I want to go back and, like, we should just edit that to make it sound like I didn't just say the wrong name that entire time. Feel so bad. It was wonderful. I tried to help you, but you didn't listen. No, I, I, I looked it up. I looked it up on, on American Horror Story. I was like, is, was it Chan or Chang? Because I knew I was going to make that that mistake. It was Okay, mistake. I feel better and slightly less racist. Thank you, Priscilla. It's there fun. you go. Yes. Group shame. All right. That's too funny. <laughs> I'm actually surprised that no one chose Allie because I'm not choosing her. But um, I'm surprised wow. that no one chose her. No, my second, my second was going to be um the 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 guy that Chaz Bono played. Oh, okay, Longstreet. Long like, because I can totally hear like his mom tweeting up a storm, being like, yes! "What are you doing wearing that yes! fucking hat?" I said the same thing. I was like, Cher is active. Probably, she probably called him up like, what the fuck was you? How much money did Ryan Murphy pay you to put that goddamn head on? Don't you see me dragging hoes on Facebook, on Twitter every damn day about this shit? If he I could was, turn back time. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there. Thank you. Okay, I'm actually going to pick Twisty the Clown because I really was excited to have Twisty back. I loved uh, seeing Twisty in action and the comic book and I know from the the season trailer or whatever the the trailer before everything or i should say the what the premiere trailer that's what i'm trying to say there at some point is a twisty doll and so i'm i'm super pumped and if i had to pick anyone that was left i guess i would give it to twisty the clown although ali shout out to you because you are the main character and i do feel for you and um i'm not judging you unlike some other uh, of my fellow co-hosts but um yeah they, I love you, Ali. They, threw, just kidding, man. they threw major shade at you throughout the podcast so <laughs> now it's time to rate the episode how would you rate this episode on a scale of one to ten clown masks the point system is allowed and if you find the episode exceptional, deserving of more than a 10, you may grant it the coveted Twisty the Clown Mask. And we will go in reverse order, and I hope I remember the order correctly. So uh, I do know that that means that I'm first. I'm going to give it an 8. I feel like it was a solid first episode. Uh, the reason I'm giving it an 8 and I didn't go any higher is because, uh, you know, my hope is that it keeps on improving and keeps on getting better so that at some point it can reach and achieve a higher score. And I feel like 8 is a solid number. In my eyes, like an 8 is good. So, uh, yeah, I think it was a strong first episode. It set up all the characters. I feel like we know a lot of the characters' motivations. And we're still sort of confused about other characters. Like, they're still sort of in the gray area and it also made me feel very paranoid about all of the characters except for Allie and maybe Ozzy which I guess is a good thing because if this is sort of a purge strangers type of season in addition to it being a cult and phobias and all that kind of stuff it's good to feel a little paranoia with some of the other characters and you know and sort of not knowing their true motivations so eight clown masks from me Clay, what about you? 
Yeah, I'm going to give it uh, nine clown masks. I think that this show is uh, likely to be on for a very, very long time, mostly because I think it's the perfect format to match Ryan Murphy's kind of manic, almost ADHD manner for producing things and juggling different projects and different this, this, and that. Um, I think it resonated with me in a way that made me feel connected to it. I felt like uh, it had voiced out loud and on a national platform a lot of thoughts that many of us have had. And again, you know, like I said, we are realizing week after week, tweet after tweet, that we can't look up for the answer. So we have to look to each other. And I feel like in some weird abstract way, I'm hoping, kind of projecting my own idealism onto American Horror Story, and I'm hoping that that ends up being a a part of the larger story here. Priscilla? Man, I hate going after such, like, bright endorsements of it because the fact that it left me confused and the fact that I don't feel as connected to to the overall sense of fear... Or the overall, like, like the little phobias that, that keep coming in. Like, it's it didn't hook me. At, like, other premieres of the show have hooked me before. So, I don't know. I feel like I'm giving this one, like, a six. Passing in some places, but not, like, but not, not to me. Not, not at this time. Like, I, I need it to, I need it to, to, to reach a little bit more to be able to give it, like, a higher score. Six. You just killed Clay. I know. I'm just blown away. Like I would <laughs> expect this from Britney, but not you, Priscilla. E2. E2. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just giving you. I just. I'm. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, hopefully the the season improves for you. Uh, a six out the gate. Mm, okay. Let's go. Mark. Yeah, that hurt my feelings, too. I'm over here crying. Oh. <laughs> you just killed us all, Priscilla. Just I'm murdered sorry. the whole cast. I'm going to uh, go ahead and give it a 10. Because... Wow. I mean, I'm yeah, impressed. Live in your truth. Yeah, I mean, I, as much as I you know, love the aesthetic behind Hotel, and I loved what um, Ryan Murphy did with... Roanoke, he just changed the storytelling format of the show. And Free Show was not my biggest, um, but I'm giving it, you know, after, I know me and Jeff had this discussion after seeing Freaks, I've given Free Show a more appreciative, you know, nod. But I think that this is the first time since Asylum. And as much as I love Coven, I had to give it to Asylum when you had like a small set of characters and you all knew where this was headed, you know. And so, kind of. What I mean, kind of is like you know what this season is going to be about. You know where you know where the characters stand. You know some of their motives and all that. And so, it was clear and concise for me, you know, being the diehard American Horror Story fan that I am. So, it, it, it just... You no, know, laid it out for me. Now, if we'd have been doing Roanoke, then I'd probably been like, you know, you, Priscilla, gave it a six because I was all I feel this last year when Roanoke came on. Um, but when, it, when I kind of got an idea of what was going on, I, it jumped up for me. But So, for me, it's a ten. And for those tuning in, you should check out on Apple Podcasts Horror Hotel and uh, you will listen to us talk about horror films. Yes. Shameless plug. 
Darnell. Well, no, no, please can do yeah. that. Yes. I'm with it. Darnell, what about you? Uh, oh, we got ooh. another Priscilla. <laughs> I was about living between five and six. Um, I just feel betrayed by both of you. <laughs> Come on, guys. They're the, they're the Ivies of the podcast. Yes, are. <laughs> Maybe by episode two, things will get a little bit better, you know? But for this episode... Mm, I'll, I'll say 6.5 that's being generous very generous um, I I think I want to believe that you know we, we're gonna get this hugely this this, this bigly 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 yeah <laughs> that will <laughs> um you know, be like the biggest plot twist we ever seen in, in American Horror Story ever. And then I'll change my tune. But for now, nah. Maybe maybe by episode two. I'll give it I'll give it a chance and, and see if it will improve. Well that's one way to close out the first podcast. <laughs> so- How about a song? <laughs> yes. So on that note, join us next time for a brand new installment of Are You Afraid? Cult. Once again, here's our announcer to remind you on how you can interact with us. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash PCR. Are you afraid? Follow us on Tumblr. Are you afraid? Dash A H S dot Follow Poppy Chula Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr, Twitter, and YouTube, at Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Help support Poppy Chula Radio financially by visiting gofundme.com slash poppychularadio. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality or blog contributor? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com slash archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through Apple Podcasts. Just search for Are You Afraid, Cold, and subscribe. Thanks, announcer. My co-hosts, please wish the listeners a good night. Good night. Good Look night. out for the clouds. Yeah, good night, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Download new episodes of Are You Afraid Cult every Thursday via Apple Podcasts and the Poppy Chula Radio Archives. Good night.